once in a while, things line up. You end up at the right place, right time, and something huge happens. But the crazy thing is, you didn't even plan for it. It's just a coincidence. Or is it? Well, a group of teenagers put this to the test when they set out to explore Seattle, Washington, and make the biggest discovery. No one can put together how they stumbled across something so traumatic, hidden in what most people consider simply a carry-on. We are your hosts, Sherry Ferreira and Helen Allen. This is The Chalk Line. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. So our story starts with this app called Randonaut. Okay, what the hell is that? I literally I'm sorry, same. Like, I know I'm a little older than you, but I can't be that <laughs> out of touch. What is that? No, I have I had no idea what it was before this case either. So okay, stick with me. Because I thought it was going to be something that's like... I'm like, it's the next TikTok. You haven't yeah, heard it? like, Helen, oh, please. Your <laughs> age is showing. I'm like, Sherry, I'm just two years older. Not that much. It's not that uh-huh. much, but it's a lot. So, I because like- it's, you know what it is, though, is it's not that much of an age difference, but a lot happened between the, the, the years, I think. So you're exponentially older. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the difference between a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old, not a lot. Yeah. The difference between a 17-year-old and a 19-year-old, not a lot. The difference between a 21-year-old and a 23-year-old, World. a lot. Worlds, <laughs> you know, oh not that either of us is 21 and 23. No, why literally, why are you <laughs> anyway? You'll I never know so how bad. old we are. <laughs> most people listen to know people. us personally, yeah. <laughs> they, like, our, only our friends listen to this. They're like, if you don't, shut um, up. except for you guys, I last episode blew up. And <gasps> I don't know, I'm still riding that wave. So, if we start acting a little different. <laughs> Just know we're still humble and we're still us. And we're grounded. (laughs) So this app, Randonaut, it launched in February of last year and it randomly generates a location for you to basically just go and explore. Wait, I actually have heard of this? Stop. (laughs) What was this? What was the what was the banter we just did? Pretending. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Um Okay, continue. Okay. So it'll give you specific coordinates too, which is kind of weird, but also really cool considering that it launched a month before the pandemic. Right. I feel like I heard of this because people were comparing it to Pokemon Go. <gasps> really? And, or maybe I dreamt that. Okay. Um, either way, this app screams danger to me. I do not love someone telling me coordinates to go to because here's what is going to be at those coordinates. Mm-hmm. A killer. Because who would make an app like this? I mean, think about it. You have to share your location and do all this other stuff. Like, yeah, so that's creepy. Did I just predict the whole episode? Is there a killer at these coordinates? No. Huh. So we'll keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to give you a little breakdown of the app and how it works just to give you some context about who might use use the app and what it's meant for. Okay. So, like I said, when you use the app, you share your location, and you also set an intention, which we will get into a little bit later. Okay. Ooh. Eerie. (laughs) I'm 
mean, right? Very. My intention like, is hope. Like what? Hope. Yeah. I was gonna go darker, oh, but okay. Oh my God. Okay. No. <laughs> Let's move on. It's fine. You set your intention, and you go and follow the directions it gives you. The purpose of it is you're supposed to find whatever is related to the intention you picked. Like, you're meant to find something, go on an adventure, explore, very bad. So, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe you don't know enough about this app, and that's okay. You can just tell me to stop asking about it. But, like... Are there, like, little fairies that plugged little gifts for you? Like, if my intention is wealth, can I just log into this app, find the coordinates, and a million dollars will be hidden under a few rocks? Maybe a quarter? Definitely not a million dollars! But it's not as specific as that. What it means by, like, having an intention is that it'll give you three types of locations to choose from. The first type is called an attractor, and this means that it's a dense area with a bunch of clusters of quantum points. And you might be asking, what the hell is a quantum point? That's what okay, I asked myself. I wasn't trying to sound dumb, but yeah. <laughs> no, we're we're very vulnerable here on the podcast. Who is a quantum point? So when it says quantum point, it's basically describing random numbers that have been converted into a coordinate location somewhere in your vicinity. So this theoretically could mean that the area has a lot of energy, which what I took from that was that it was crowded with people. Okay, not like spiritual No, 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 no. But also, it's very that for the people who use it. Right, like these people also listen to their horoscopes. Exactly. Okay. The second type... Nothing against that, you know. Yeah. (laughs) The second type of intention is called a void, and this location is essentially the opposite of that, and this is going to be an area of very low density and has low quantum point distribution, which to me just means not a lot of people there. Okay. Exactly. And an anomaly, an anomaly is the most common. It's considered the strongest kind of location for you to visit, especially if you have a strong intention and are a mission to find specific answers. And how many people are there? I have no idea. It's no an idea. anomaly. It's an anomaly. And oh, I got okay. all this from a Bustle article that explained it because just me trying to do that on my own would have been a disaster. You just sounded so intelligent explaining really? it to me. I just have to be honest. Okay. Oh, good. Let's ride that wave. Yeah, let's do Keep it. Keep going. Okay. So, and on top of setting an intention, you can set the theme of your journey. So it can be love, peace, creativity. Quinceanera. Quinceanera. <laughs> Fiesta by <laughs> like it's a- you find Radio Rodriguez. <laughs> she actually founded this app. <laughs> Imagine. No. No, she didn't. She didn't. I get excited too easily. But basically, you could probably tell that it's encouraging users, users to venture outside of their day-to-day routine. And the app almost looks like a chatting app that you'd use, like Kick or WhatsApp. Kick? So, what yes. is it? No, listen. Stick with me. <laughs> You're essentially, like, texting a computer or a program for this adventure. Okay. And if you recall, it launched in February. It sounds like an episode of Black Mirror. I have to be honest. That's exciting. But also... It is exciting. I love this case so far. I'm freaked out, though. (laughs) Naturally, now we're all like, this is so weird. But like I said, it launched in February of last year. So it started gaining popularity right around when COVID started picking up in March. And people were hiking. Yes. And people (laughs) wanted to get outside and just do something. But that is what's alarming to me. (laughs) Right when the world shuts down, we're going to have this sketch 
app that sounds like a Black Mirror episode? I'm worried. When you first heard about it, because I didn't hear about it back then, were you, like, when it launched, would it have been something that you're interested in? Because you're so opposed to it, but, like... No, it would not be, and here's why. I am full of anxiety. I um, am very turned off by doing most things. Um, because of the level of threat that they provide to me. Okay. And that could be so much as, um, parking near a car at the grocery store. I don't do it. I find the most secluded parking spot and I go there. And then, but I also have to make sure it's not so secluded that someone could do something to me nearby and no one would see it. So that is who I am. And my, my opinion (laughs) Is not going to be the average. Okay. Because I think I am more aware high alert than most Oh, we've already... Est- if there's one thing we established on this podcast is that you are paranoid. I high alert at all times. <laughs> like, I am not kidding. I will see any type of person on the street yeah. and I will be like, I wonder if they killed someone. Anybody. It could be an old lady. Really? But don't you think those are the ones that would get... But me? Why? <laughs> Those are the killers still running the street. Oh my. (laughs) Because no one thinks to look into them. No, but in all seriousness, I think if when I heard of this app, I didn't think much of it. I thought it was going to be just another Pokemon Go type thing where like people are just aimlessly roaming the earth using this app and losing sense of reality. And I think that is partly true. Yeah. I mean, this app, but also like. Pokemon Go was dangerous as hell. It made, like, a bunch of 13-year-olds just, like, venture into the abyss. Like... Out of nowhere. But, like you said, this app did do that for people. A lot of people started using it. It started gaining this small following on Reddit. Then it, like, slowly trickled its way to YouTubers and then TikTok. Which brings us to the start of our story. Here we go. It's June 19th, so only four months later, and these group of teens in Seattle, Washington download the app and just for reference this group is two girls and a guy i'll be referencing them later and just keep that in mind okay so mind you like i haven't said it enough this is really early on in the pandemic and washington had just issued their lockdown in march so it's safe to assume that they were quite literally bored out of their minds i mean either bored or really excited because at the time you know you just thought it would be for a couple of months and now here we are some one year later. Yeah. Wait, so you said they're teens. Are they in high school or are they college students? Around 20 years old. Okay. I would say so I like didn't find anything specific. college-aged kids. Yes. Students. Um, okay. Exactly. And so they download the app, Randonaut, and they decide to record their little adventure by using TikTok. And this next part is going to be me explaining what happened and just sort of walking you through their day and what they do. Okay, here we go. In the video, we see that Randonaut brought them near this beach, and they are standing on, like, a pier or a boardwalk. The next thing we see is the group laughing and giggling, because right near the platform that they're on, they see a suitcase on top of some rocks. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> Bye. Go. Get out. I'm telling you this app was eerie. It's not. No. Who left the suitcase there? Who's going to get fired? We'll see. Okay. Just stick with okay. me. Okay. I'm here. Yeah. I'm we later find out that they are actually near Pike Place Market, specifically Alki Avenue Southwest and West Seattle, which is usually very busy. 
What do you mean usually? Like it has a lot of tourists near there. But it wasn't? No. In the video from what I saw, it looked kind of barren almost. Oh. Like it was just them and like some other people just way far down. Well, COVID. Yeah. I guess maybe nothing was super busy. The video shows them joking that they found a suitcase on the beach and they decide they want to take a closer look. So from where they're... I'm so nervous. (laughs) Like what the hell? So from where they're standing, just to give you a mental picture, they have to walk down these huge rocks just to get to the suitcase. And it's very Cape Cod-esque where there's these like huge rocks. Rock and the Yeah. <laughs> and the water is just like a few feet away. And you're like, who's going into that? What is this for? That water is freezing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. It's it's very those vibes. You better stay on the sand. <laughs> and, but they don't. They don't. And there wasn't even any sand there. It's literally just rocks and, and that's water. That's why this is... A chalk line episode. Yeah. Because they didn't stay on the sand. Exactly. We see text come up on the screen as one girl's walking that says, we were joking that maybe the suitcase would have money. The next clip is of the same girl looking a bit worried. Wait, I just have to ask, what were their intentions? Do we know? Well, from knowing what I know now, I just thought from their laughing and giggling that they thought it was very comedic. No, no. What do you mean? Oh, what was their intention with using the app, you mean? Yeah. I doesn't say. I wonder what it was. Okay, continue. The next clip is of the same girl looking a bit worried, but almost laughing. And she says that she won't be able to sleep. Immediately after, we hear another voice say, it stinks, y'all. Oh, no. From what they show on the video. I know what's in there. From what they show on the video in the suitcase, it's kind of perched on top of a rock. And another girl comes into the frame and we see her opening it with a stick from far away. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with the um, DNA. Oh, yeah. Well, more text shows up on the screen saying, as soon as she opened it, the smell was overwhelming. And they all gasp and, like, take a visual... I wouldn't say a step back, but they all definitely leaned back because right. it was so intense. Yeah. And they see something packed tight in the suitcase, but it's covered in a black garbage bag. The guy then says, okay, she's calling the police. We can see if it's actually a dead body or if it's just food, which prompts them all to laugh. Okay. This is literally so relatable. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to... Relatable? <laughs> I mean, I've never found a suitcase with a dead body in it. Okay. But how many times... How many times... I think I even posted it to our Instagram account, that meme that's like every single garbage bag on the side of the, the road, road is a dead body. So, like, these kids are like... It, most likely it's rotten food, but let's just call the police just in case. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't even it the... might be a dead body. It's just so interesting to see how their minds were sort of operating in that situation. Because, like we established, me and you would be paranoid as hell. Yeah. Like, this is something But at the serious. same time, like, you never actually think you're going to come across a dead body. You're like, I'm that crazy that I think it's a dead body, but I'm wrong. What are the odds? I know. So, like, them, like... I think be- I'm almost like I want to make excuses almost for them for like laughing and stuff because like they probably were like the last thing on earth this is actually going to be is a dead body. Mm-hmm. And I think it's almost like something in your ear telling you, hey, this could be serious because they did go through and call the police. Right. Because the smell they, was right. so intense. They probably had this like instinct to be like. This isn't worth joking over too much. We need to actually, like, follow through with the fact that it could be bad. Exactly. And as they're calling the police, the tone, not to be, like, that English major, but you can see it shift a little bit to where the girl's seriously talking to the police and reporting everything that they've found, what they're smelling. And 
they're not really laughing anymore. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. More text pops up on the screen saying, by this point, we were getting a little scared and nervous, which like newsflash me and you were like that since we read and heard the word suitcase. So like um, when they said <laughs> the app title, I was like, Mm-mm, I- I'm out. <laughs> out. I am out. Now, it's a little unclear in my research just when police did show up. Some sources say it took police a couple of hours to get to Alki Beach, but others say three days, which is a massive difference. But that's that's a big bit of yeah. what, how. I don't know, but from my assumption is they took a little while to get there. Okay, so between three hours and three days. Yeah, take your pick. Take your pick. It's fine. doesn't make a difference. Whatever. But eventually they do get there, and that's when they make the discovery. So were the kids standing by for three days? Is that what we're supposed to think? Like, what? I, so the story with the three days was that the kids went home and then heard about it on the news that the police got there and drove by, which is one source. I can't confirm if that's fact or not. Hmm. Whereas the three hours one just said that they waited a little while. Right. That's what I'm thinking is, like, I mean, but I guess the three days, it's like maybe the police heard a bunch of teenagers and they didn't really take it that seriously. Which was my first assumption, literally. But who knows? Because maybe they did take it seriously and they just were super backed up. They didn't have enough people working through COVID. Mm-hmm. Because realistically, the first thing you hear is a suitcase that smells bad that's not going to be at the top of your list right now. Right. Hmm. The police get there and they see that the suitcase, as you all can probably guess, was not filled with food. It had two dead Two? I did not see this coming. How do you do that? I mean, me and you, our would not fit in one suitcase. Oh my god, I'd be like, <laughs> let alone, alright, let alone a carry-on. Like, I'm not saying I'm skinny and mini, but you're gonna need, like, a little trunk or something. I know. I'm sorry. A U-Haul. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> sorry, continue. But the police see that it most definitely was not food. It had two dead bodies inside. But before you can process all of that, I'm not really done. Because the TikTok video isn't over just yet. Oh my god, what left is there to say? Well, another clip shows up and it shows the teens driving past a bunch of police cars and ambulance. And they say, y'all, here's the crime scene. I hate 2020. So that prompts me. It's it's weird because you don't know if that's them driving by with no knowledge of what was in the suitcase or if that was just them trying to make light of whatever they discovered or didn't discover. So you think they maybe don't even know that there were dead bodies in the suitcase yet? They were maybe making a joke that it was the crime scene? I think it could be a possibility, honestly, but I also wouldn't put it past just knowing their age that maybe that's just their form of humor. Yeah, because I think, like, and I, like, not to reference last week's episode, um, but the Gabby Petito thing, we saw how eager this TikTok generation is to, um, like, kind of interfere with police doings online and to, like, insert yourself into investigations and in the way that the media can get a hold of things. Like, because, I mean, there's a reason why certain things don't get disclosed to the public. And as a society, I think we tended to honor that for the most part. But now this TikTok generation is, like, very sort of surpassing that. Of, right. Exactly. Because although it's like we mentioned in the last episode, it's a good thing to have awareness. Put out the word. If you have valuable information that's being mm-hmm. turned down by the police or it's not being heard, of course. But it almost com- comes across in this manner that's very like 
clickbaity. And for those of you who aren't yes, too familiar with absolutely social media and that side of things, it's just information that you present in a manner that seeks attention but not helpful attention. Yeah, like they just want clicks because they just want views and they want to make money off of it instead of they want to help. That is what I'm kind of thinking because at this point it's like um, for these teens to not turn their TikTok over to the police immediately and just be like, what should we do from here? Yeah. For them to immediately rush to, like, finishing the video and posting the quote-unquote crime scene is, like, I don't know, it's, I guess, <laughs> this is, like, so weird to say, but I guess parents are going to have to start bracing themselves to raise kids in a way of, like, here's what is extremely inappropriate to put online like we were raised in the time where like online was becoming new Mm -hmm. but a lot of these kids that are on tiktok now were raised with online forever so i'm wondering if there were maybe less precautions growing up because during like dare Mm -hmm. we took dare and we had the police officer be like whatever you put online is there forever whatever you put online you can't take back I wonder how heavily these kids grew up with that or if they it was so normalized already that I no think one warned it was them. normalized that it almost becomes like you said it becomes normalized and we very much grew up with online that was sort of new we got like the mm-hmm. version of it whereas these kids have the most like pristine version of it yeah to where they're fully able to utilize and they're, it they're indes- like indestructible essentially online at this point they feel and- like they can um kind of, like, take over the police's job by, like, being, like, the police aren't telling you there's dead bodies in there, but look, we're TikToking it. So you can see that. There's a reason the police maybe wouldn't have said that. Exactly. And just imagine how invincible you felt back then. Yeah. To then now have technology to sort of, like, all this support stuff you. to fall back on. Yeah. I would have I would have gone crazy. Oh my god, I am so lucky to be raised <laughs> right. when I was raised. I, I just made the cut. Right. I just <laughs> just, just barely, barely scraped by. Yeah. So, as you can assume, the video does get posted and it gets more than 16 million views and around 4 million likes on TikTok. That's nothing compared to as many as we get. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm going to shut up now. So, Just tell the story. We're so, we're so popular. No, I love it. Despite all of that, the creator at Ugh Henry, which very nice name, says that he broke down the moment he got home after finding the suitcase. So I thought that was important to include that this wasn't just sort of brushed off, that they all really did feel the, mm-hmm. you know, that trauma that goes into that. That's traumatic. Yeah, no, for sure. Another inter- so that makes me do me. It makes me think that yeah. he does think that there is dead bodies in it. Though. Yeah. Okay. Another interesting thing I found reported was that the family had to beg him, the creator, to take it down. The family, Ugh Henry's family. Once the once they do identify the bodies, which we'll get into that whole process, they the family of the victims. The family of the victims. Oh my god. I know, and it's really hard because I don't have a clear-cut timeline for this, but I'm reporting what is been talked about the most online and what I believe is to be fact. Okay. At first, I'm assuming he wasn't because they tried reaching out to TikTok because they assumed it must have violated some community guideline, but TikTok said they could not take it down at first. But eventually- Excuse me? I know. 
I... Out of all things that gets censored on that app... I am extremely shocked. They can censor you talking about coronavirus, Mm -hmm. but they can't censor you showing a murder scene. Crazy. I... Eventually, the creator does take it down, and the family does go on oxygen. We'll talk about this more, but I think it's important to include now just so we don't give these kids a bad rap for maybe what's being falsely reported or just not true. Okay. The family says that the video went viral and there's nothing we can do to change that. This is coming from Gina. She was um, one of the victim's aunts. And she said nobody knew that was going to happen. Those kids didn't know. Nobody knew. I want to thank those kids because there could have been a potential there could have been a possibility that nobody found the suitcase. We would have never known what could have happened to them. You know, it's so hard um, because I'm kind of thinking of this in like both aspects of like, wow. First of all, Gina, um, what is that? Jasky? Yeah, Jasky. Jasky. She is incredibly um, strong to give the credit to these kids because one... Yeah, it is. Like, on one hand, it's so incredible that they were able to get answers through these kids. But on the other hand, it sucks that this is the way that she has to be grateful for it. She has to be grateful, like, that these TikTokers found this suitcase. It's, like, kind of takes out, uh, I don't know, like, the respect of the situation. Like, it's sad that she has to feel like... She needs to compromise and thank these TikTokers for posting the video, even though I'm sure she wants to say, why the hell did you post that video? Why couldn't you just call the cops and leave it at that? Like, Exactly. So she is incredibly strong and noble for saying that. Um, I don't take that same viewpoint as Gina because I'm <laughs> petty and I would be like those TikToking <laughs> But... You know. Yeah. It's it's sort of hard because posting it and having it go viral does take away, like you said, the sort of human aspect of it to where it's like... Yeah. Like, it takes away that there's a family grieving and that there's, you know, more aspects than just to views. It's... But, like, again, you know, he did remove it. I don't know how long it took him to take it down. Hopefully he took it down sooner than later, but let's move on. Yeah. The police get to work. They're really trying to figure out who these people are, and so far there are no suspects. And they don't suspect the teens either, so if that's where your mind was going, don't. No, it wasn't. I just think these bozos couldn't get away with that. Oh my god. Yeah. And, like, try to, like, falsely, like, no, they they could never. The police say it's very clear that they just, like, came across this video, and they're actually a huge help. Seattle Police Detective Mark Jamieson was quoted in an interview he did with CNN, and he said, we're glad the video is out there. We spoke to the people involved, and they corroborated some of the information. Okay. Police previously told their local station, King 5, that there is no reason to doubt the legitimacy of the video. So, it's not faked. It's real. Mm-hmm. Period. So they're really going off of any evidence that they can find at the scene and awaiting for lab results. But one thing becomes really interesting to investigators when they take in the scene of the crime. In the video, you can see that the suitcase appears dry. So that leads them to assume that the bag wasn't left there long enough because the tide would have made it wet or it would have not been so dry. 
Right, because it was on the rocks that were, like, in the water, correct? Exactly. Okay. And some people online were speculating very harshly about the tides and the hours it takes, saying that, oh, it couldn't have been placed there, like, more than a couple of hours before they got there, but it's really all up. Like, no one can confirm that for sure. Okay. So this just sort of adds to the confusion of how someone could have placed it there without anyone seeing. I mean, sure, everyone was supposed to be on lockdown, but it had also been a couple months since then, and I can imagine there could have, could have at least been one or two people out there seeing someone put a suitcase on the rocks and the beach, you know? I mean, maybe. It's, like, hard to Even. say because, you know, like, there were so many places, like, you would go hiking in just, like, our small towns over here in Connecticut, and you'd see people every day. So it makes me think that, like, a populated place in Washington, even though they were on lockdown, maybe there they're probably were stragglers that were still, like, around, out and about. But at the same time, like, everyone was kind of in their own world in 2020. Even if I you agree. were walking around and you saw someone drop that, put that suitcase there, would it matter? Would it register to you? Were you thinking about something different? Were you, like, too afraid to look at people at that point because you needed to keep your distance? Mm-hmm. Like, we were so... Um, afraid of going near strangers that I'm wondering if, if someone did see it, did they even know that they did because they just were so turned off by people at that time? I mean, that is a really good point. I approach this more as just, again, me being paranoid as hell, but that is true. Back then, we really did have our blinders on. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Not to age the whole United States. But 2020 States. seems like seven years ago because of how long this year has taken. Fully, fully. Going forward, the police do a search of the surrounding area to see if they can find any more clues, and they find another bag in the water with more human remains. No. Yes. Like, two wasn't enough. Two. So you're, so human remains. Are you saying, like, a third body, or are no. you saying uh, there well, are two bodies, like, several... What's happening? It's... <laughs> you're like, Mom, please pick me up. It's not pick safe here. <laughs> From the... From my research, I can assume that the police thought it was the same two bodies. Okay. Because I just don't think they would have found anything else that would indicate there was a third. Right. Not it. Okay. Okay. So immediately they call the uh, medical examiner and they're able to put together a timeline because it gets determined that the bag and suitcase were left in their respective locations, one on the beach, one further out in the water, for only a couple of days. So this sort of debunks that whole less than 24-hour theory. When this case does blow up, a lot of people sort of get worried because this is Washington, which is notorious for a lot of horrific things happening there. Okay. I'm not going to give any mm-hmm. of you credit, but you know. It's yeah, known for... We the, know a good yeah. amount of, of crazies yeah. that come out of there. Yeah, and... we don't have to... No. But the police do clear up and say that they do not believe that this is connected to any other investigations in the Puget Sound area. Okay. So they don't think it's a string of you murders or anything Puget? like that. I think it very I think it is. I think it very well could be and I'm just not educated. Hey, don't say that. Remember when you were explaining intentions to me oh. at the beginning of this episode you said oh. it's so smart. <laughs> it's Puget. Puget. <laughs> In the Puget Sound area. We don't hear anything until the beginning of July when the poli- when the police are able to identify the remains and the cause of death. So okay, they're coming so back. Okay, so like a month later-ish? Yeah. Okay. Coming back with a lot of info. 
We find out that it's Jessica Lewis, who is 35 and a mother of four, and Austin Wenner, who is 27 and her boyfriend of eight years. Oh, my God. Jessica died of multiple gunshot wounds, while Austin died of a single gunshot wound, according to the King County Medical Examiner's Office. Jessica worked at an assisted living facility in Kirkland and at a nursing home in Auburn, so... Aww. Very caring, very sweet. I know. Absolutely. And she was an essential worker at this time. Mm. They believe that they were killed 10 days before their bodies were discovered, but so far they don't really have any leads. So their families reach out to news and a bunch of different media outlets. And remember our girl Gina? Absolutely. She is very vocal, or at least she was the one I saw reported most on. She was doing a lot of the speaking. Um, because it sounds like she knows how to speak. Right. <laughs> I one thing love about her. Gina, Gina will speak. Gina knows how to speak. Mm-hmm. And like I said, she Gina was... Gina knows what's best for all of yeah. us. <laughs> oh my God, we just need to listen to Gina. That's that. Gina was Jessica's aunt, and she says, What I can do is keep this alive in everybody's mind. Somebody knows something. Somebody saw something. They might be scared to say anything. You know what? The smart one of the bunch is going to go and turn themselves in because no jury is going to have any sympathy for any of them. Yes, Gina. And she expresses that she just wants someone to pay for what they've done and just to bring solace to her family. Oh, absolutely. Because also at this point, police are thinking that this could not have been possibly done by just one person. They're thinking it's a group of people. Okay. Why do you think they think that at this point? (sighs) I honestly don't have any indication of why they might think this could be more than one person, per se, because it does seem like this could have been executed by one person. I mean, they had yeah, some time to do it. I'm sure it. they know more than we know. Oh, by far. Okay. <laughs> by far. Yeah. Gina eventually starts a GoFundMe page to help raise $10,000 in reward money, she says, to, quote, catch these animals. Get it, Gina. Right. And what? Right. How much money does it have? Millions? I, have a look. I will donate, Gina, everything I have. It's not a lot, but... No, it's so good. We do find out a lot about Jessica and her life, but according to the Seattle Times, Austin's family wanted to mourn their son in private. Gina ends up saying this on their behalf. And Austin's mother does write in a statement that he had faith a big heart, and loved the outdoors, country music, campfires, trucks, dogs, Jessica and his family. He sounds lovely. And I could tell he was into country music because his nickname was Cash. I love I that. Could tell. I could tell. Okay. He was a country boy. That's beautiful yeah. and lovely. Lovely. <laughs> We're breaking on to Oh music. my god. No, I... This is an interesting um, angle, too, that one family you know, is kind of grateful for the exposure this case has gotten and the other one needs privacy. And Mm. I hope that his family is able to get that because that is what they deserve. Um, But, you know, it's an interesting development, I think, in the case that... I know. I don't think I've ever researched a case where the family was just chose to be silent. Yeah. You know, but can so, you blame like, them? No, you know, I cannot. Everybody's different. The FBI gets called in and they say whoever put the remains in the bags could have been attempting to make a statement because 
they were in such a public place, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, I mean... And just gives you a little bit more information about what kind of person could have done this. Especially if it's a person that lives in that area and, mm-hmm. like, would know that the suitcase would be prever- preserved by the tides not coming in or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems, like, very intentional, but... Let's keep going. Intentions. <laughs> just stop! Just stop. <laughs> On August 19th, we get an update that police have made an arrest one month later. Who? (laughs) Who? The story breaks open, and I will tell you who. I mean, there are so many news sources on this. It was a little overwhelming. But the officers arrest Michael Dudley on two counts of second-degree murder. Who is he? I literally, I wrote in my, like, little, like, research, I was like, I know for a fact you're going to be like, who is the Because you love saying that. So, I see that now. I yeah. see it in your notes. So good. <laughs> Whoops. I'm so predictable. <laughs> All right. Who is he? Dudley was Jessica and Austin's landlord. Oh, my God. We find out. Yes. We find out that both Jessica and Austin were beaten before being shot, then put into plastic bags. For what? They. It's. We're going to get into it. They had been renting a room in Dudley's home in Burien, which is a city in Washington. And Dudley was angry at them for not paying rent. And according- Oh, excuse them. The country is in shambles. Nobody's paying rent. So many people did not pay rent. <gasps> this is my it's- nightmare. <laughs> I can't believe this. I really can't. I mean, think about it. It's think about ridiculous. how many landlords- I feel for them. It was hard to be a landlord in 2020, but think about how many people that it was, like, hard to be a tenant in 2020. Like, it's exactly. so sad. This is devastating. The Seattle Times say that he was also angry because they potentially brought criminal activity to his home. Okay. And this, this is, is him being like, they smoked a little weed. Oh, uh, Fully, which is like, you live in Washington. Calm I know. Down. And, like, I'm sorry, but, like, criminal activity, yeah. you murdered two people. Please. Right, like right, right. Who are Literally. you? Literally, literally. The same Seattle Times article that I referenced says that family members told police that Austin had recently been assaulted by some men who showed up at Dudley's house with guns and beat him and Lewis, which was Jessica. One family member told police he didn't know what prompted the attack, but that it might have been related to criminal fraud activity or fraudulent activity. And again, this is all from that Seattle Times article. Okay. Because of this, he just didn't want them in his house anymore. A witness who was moving into Dudley's home told police that he helped bring her belongings in on the night of June 9th. She had added that when she saw Dudley, his glasses were broken and he had scratches on him. After taking a shower that night, the witness told police she opened the door to the upstairs bedroom, the room where she was going to be staying in, and saw, like mountains of clothing in the middle of the room with a hand sticking out from underneath. Wait, what do you mean a hand? A hand. Like a severed hand? The one is says And we're finding out about this now? Yeah. A month later. Yeah. More than a month later? Mm. And it's like the yeah. Wait, I'm literally so confused by this woman right now. Later that night, Dudley told her he needed to, quote, clean up the mess and asked her if he could take her somewhere else. What is wrong with him? 
He was just gonna leave that hand there and be like, by the way, I know you saw that hand. I have to clean that up, because there anywhere yeah. I can take you? I'm like, can you- What? Dudley. Please. What Just an- just an idiot. Truly. As she was leaving the house that night, the witness said she saw Dudley laying out large pieces of plastic in the basement. When she asked Dudley about it, he told her, let's put it this way. His gun misfired and mine didn't. <gasps> okay. Just a Why is Dudley of- speaking in riddles? Riddle. And second of all, this Fully the troll at the bridge. He literally is the troll at the bridge. He's like, some criminal activity won't stop me yeah, because like- I do criminal activity f- before the like I know <laughs> No, you're trying to rip. I tried to <laughs> No, but that's fully what he sounds like. And clearly this witness has a lot of credibility because the police do report on it and they pick up on it. After hearing all this, the police do get a search warrant for the house because they're like, Oh, there's some were you a hand you said? You said a hand? Alright, we're there. Um, <laughs> yeah, when it was two dead bodies in a suitcase, they took three days, but a hand, yeah. no doubt. They're on it. They're on <laughs> Immediate. it. Police found bullet holes, bullet strikes, spent rounds, and blood in the upstairs room, which was where Jessica and Austin were staying. <sighs> Apparently, while the police were searching the house, a neighbor, like, hit them up and was like, yeah, we called 911 on that same night of June 9th because we heard gunfire and yelling from inside the house. Okay. Seattle police confirmed that Burian officers responded that night, but, quote, left the residence a short time later when no one answered the door. Right, because the gunshots had killed the people inside, and they were lying dead on the ground. And the person and who did it was an exigent was... circumstance, and the police mm-hmm. should have gone in. I I know a thing or two Which, about a thing or two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of cr- criminal law degree, huh? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit, small little thing. Yeah. Or just common sense, really. I mean, for real, why didn't they, like, go in? I don't. Obviously, when asked, Dudley denied everything and just couldn't explain the bullet holes, but later admits that he they did owe him money. Okay. So he's like, oh, I'm not going to say anything, but yeah, they actually did owe me a little bit of cash. Like, what? Sure, Dudley. His bail was set at $5 million, and he was scheduled to be arraigned on September 8th at the King County Courthouse. The local news station, King 5, was a really big help during this case because they were really immediate. I mean, it was happening right there mm-hmm. in their backyard or whatever. Okay. <laughs> so corny. But they really did have a lot of information about it. And they said, while no other suspects have been named, court documents said Dudley disposed of the bodies, quote, likely with the aid of others. So now other officials are believing that as well because these are court documents right so it's like okay then that's even scarier because spoiler alert they only have dudley yeah wow currently there was a hearing in march of this year and his defense attorney wanted to reduce the five million dollar bail to just five hundred thousand and wanted him to be released from jail and just be put on electronic detention in his home I'm sorry, is that guy out of his mind? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. They're quoting that the discovery of all the evidence, you know, just blood and bullet holes, was not complete and he had unfair treatment, really. Mm, okay. Remember that thing he said about how his gun worked? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, pretty... I mean, ties it up in a bow. Gina makes an appearance at this hearing and she introduces herself and makes a statement, we love Gina. We do. 
She says medical examiners concluded more than one person had helped assist the disposal of my niece and her husband. To date, nobody else has been charged except Michael Dudley. So now we know that medical examiners examiners also conclude that whatever did happen to Jessica and Austin beyond what we know now was done with the help of others, which is crazy and frightening. Gina goes on to say she got contacted by someone who may have worked with him to get rid of the bodies, and they were crying and, quote, absolutely petrified that he was going to be let out of jail. She says she convinced them to contact the detectives on the case. And I mean, that alone is just crazy. After grieving all that and to have someone call and be like, oh, yeah, I helped him and I'm terrified. It's like, Gina has her own stuff to worry Please about right now. Please don't put this on Gina. It's oh. literally like when... Okay, this is like not supposed to be dark. But like after my dad passed, when people at my dad's mm. funeral would come up to me and make me feel bad for them. And I was like, okay, this is like this not is- the place <laughs> for you. <laughs> They'll do like a reverse like... Yeah, it's like, psychology can we just, like, respect the situation we're in? Mm-hmm. Can we read the room a little? Yeah, can you be sad and I'll just chill? Maybe that girl could have called someone that's not Gina. Right, right. Maybe the police. Right. I oh. feel like the police would have been a better... And the fact that she had to convince them. Be like, can you I'm just call? Just... I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm crying right now. I'm like, a little honestly. bit perturbed <laughs> by this. I, I just am. I, I don't know. Gina drops even more bombs and reveals that Dudley is apparently very wealthy and tried to sell the house, the same house where the crime happened with the bullet holes and the blood and a mountain of evidence at an undisclosed location to cover up the scene of the crime and that she believes the family was trying to put a rush on this so that he could make bail. Okay, this is some American Horror Stories type. Very, very. At the end of her statement, she begs the court not to release this violent man and put not only her own family, but other people at risk too. And at this hearing, we also do find out that Dudley has a violent streak He has been caught for assaulting his girlfriend and some other very harsh um, stuff that he... Not a very good guy is what I'm trying to say in, like, the most polite terms ever. So lock him up and throw away the key. Exactly. I mean... (laughs) But so far, that's really it. I mean, he is the only person to date that's been reported on to have been connected to this. And I mean, I don't know where you're at right now, but I am fully of the belief that he did it. Yes, throw away the key. I'm not going to say it again. Goodbye, Dudley. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can catch us on Instagram at the Chalkline Pod, Twitter at the Chalkline Pod, and follow along with our YouTube channel. The link is in our Instagram bio. Tune in next Thursday for another story.